Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I'm going to discuss my comic Malevolence. I'm going to talk about the influence, the artwork, and generally where I came from when I started working on the project in general. So I've got a lot to talk about in that regard, so we're going to dive right in. Malevolence came to me shortly after I started my comic Alice and Turner, which is based on one of my sci-fi novels. And I was really excited about that, but then I started watching a bunch of cheesy vampire movies. And I realized that I had been hesitant to do that genre, mostly because I was afraid of being cheesy or cliche or any of that stuff. And ultimately, I was sort of denying myself an outlet that I would find a lot of fun. And I'm talking about, like, Hammer movies and the independent vampire movies you can find on Amazon Prime, uh, the Carmilla web series, the Moth Diaries, uh, all that all that kind of stuff. And it really got me excited to attack a project like that. So when I sat down for Malevolence, I actually produced the first chapter in only a couple days. I just, that's all I did. It was like 14 hours a day of just constant art and working. And I then proceeded directly onto the second chapter and have already finished the third chapter. So it really was something that I needed to do because it, 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 it got me going in a major way. So um, what I think I like most about the setting is just the whole gothic romance, gothic horror thing. I wanted it to have a little bit of a Dark Shadows take. Um, and I haven't quite gotten to that part in the story itself, but we're getting there. I wanted to explore vampires that were genuinely monstrous, that did bad things, but maybe they did still feel a little bad about it. You know, that's how I made up that there is two sides to their personality, really. There is the malevolence that drives them to do creepy, horrible things. It's sort of their beast. And then there's the part of them that it survived from, from being human. And that's the part that sort of wants to keep the other one at bay. It's the duality of nature. It's it's the same kind of thing we've seen many, many times. So I don't even remotely pretend to be original there. But I did want the malevolence to be different from vampire to vampire. And that's why when we introduce the detective, we find that his malevolence is so bad, he can't even risk it because it could turn into something truly catastrophic for the society and the people around him. Um, so Nina herself is very much modeled after Carmilla. Um, she's Austrian. She's traveled all over the place. And she has this codependency issue where she really needs somebody else in order to experience life. That's another aspect of the vampire I brought in. I was inspired by the Stephen Moffat Dracula where he would drink the blood of someone and gain their experience or sort of gain their foibles even. Uh, and I really like the idea of him not just being a vampire because he drinks blood, but a vampire who absorbs inspiration and creativity and anger and emotion. And that's how they sort of exist as a real person is through those things. So once they've absorbed enough whether it just be hanging out with someone and, and watching through their eyes or whatever the case, then they can sort of be normal for a for a period of time before it wears off and they need to renew that. And I was thinking about that sensation I get when I share a movie that I've seen a dozen times with someone who's never seen it before. 
and I'm really excited to sort of vicariously experience it through them. And I thought of that as vampirism, as chasing a high through other people. And so that's how the malevolence works. And that's how Nina specifically works, is that she constantly craves creative outlets and, and expression. And so that's where she comes from. And that's really all my inspiration that came together to create the comic of malevolence. Um, I really love it all around. It's just super fun. And the way that the characters interact and the way that they look and, and move, it's, it's exactly what I had hoped when I set out. I've, I've actually started to write it as a novel as well. So I'll have two different ways to experience the story, the comics and a, and an actual novel to go with it. The art itself came about because I learned so many new techniques to really make a dark sort of uh, ambiance that caters perfectly to the vampire setting that I had in my head, coupled with the idea that I could also create these really bright and colorful moments that take place during the day or back in the past when Nina's former lover is still alive and, and she's experiencing that excitement and innocence from somebody from a time that we had even less contact with the outside world and so it was easier to stay innocent longer so that's where i was coming from there lots of interesting lighting lots of of long shots and instead of going the society case files route where there's lots of panels and and different stuff to sort of drive the story visually i wanted this to be more of a visual novel in the fact that there are less images and more text and a lot more inner monologue to sort of convey the story and express what's going on and the characters each get a different font when they're narrating so with nina she's got a particular font and she waxes lyrically and she's very eloquent and, and a bit pretentious and then you get to hear from connie who's human and modern and, and a college student musician and she's a lot more colloquial and she sounds a lot more natural and normal and then you get the detective who's a little bit more precise and logical and that's that's sort of where i was going with that and i really look forward to the fourth chapter that's 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 going to be a big party where uh, connie has gone to perform and nina has sort of ensured that she would be there so that they could have another encounter um all around I, I really love easing into this Carmilla-style role, but it's different in the sense that this time the pursued character is not nearly as innocent as Laura was from, from the Carmilla novel, and certainly not as, as innocent as Nina's former lover from the past, uh, who, who met with some sort of tragedy and we don't know yet. That's sort of where our Dark Shadows stuff starts to kick in, is when we start to really explore those past events to see what happened and uh, what led Nina to the place she's at today. One of the things that was most important to me was to show the duality of vampirism versus the human side of those creatures. So in the first chapter, Nina attacks a uh, bystander, the, the bartender, and she kills him. And I wanted it to be... A horror moment I really wanted it to be harsh and just brutal and I really wanted her to look like a monster because just moments before she was having a very amiable conversation with Connie and it seemed like she was fairly normal but I had to make sure that she is not and 
I suppose there is a big risk to show the hero in such a light, and maybe maybe others would consider her to not be the hero, and Connie would be, but I really am trying to make her a tragic hero character. Which which is not necessarily easy, because the poor guy she kills literally had no reason to die. And oftentimes in stories, if people do get killed, we generally want them to, to have a reason for it. And her reason was super flimsy. She, he overheard some of her conversation with Connie. It was completely innocuous. There was no reason to do it. And so that's trying to cast that spotlight on the malevolence itself, on what drives these characters to do some of the things they do. It's very important to have that tragic element. And that's where I draw the Barnabas Collins comparison. If you've seen the 1990s revival of the show, Barnabas does kill innocent people. He's still charming as hell, and he's still awesome, but he's done horrible things, and he kind of feels bad about them. I mean, sometimes he does, but most often he's like, whatevs, I'm a vampire, it's, it's what happens. And Nina's kind of like that too, but as she starts to experience things through whatever lover she has, that's when she's able to become more normal, and that's sort of the exploration here is to see how a codependent relationship can be uh, twisted and used by somebody in order to maintain their sort of normalcy but also to suck the life out of someone else to take away all of the things that make them an individual to force them to essentially give up friendships or lovers or whatever else because they need all their time all their devotion and it's a very unhealthy thing to explore, but at the same time, it can be made, at least by the pursuer, to look very romantic. I, I think that's kind of how Carmilla was supposed to go. But in the era, Carmilla had to be a villain, and Lara had to constantly uh, fight against her charms, despite the fact that she was giving into it. She had to be that contradiction in terms. I both hate what she's doing to me and desire it. Uh, in the more modern setting, Connie can be much more of an independent person. And that will be a challenge for Nina, who has not done this in long enough to uh, have not encountered a modern woman who has her own personality and her own desires, her own drives, enough so that she is liberated and capable of making her own decisions. So more importantly, she also goes Nina's way already. So there isn't that internal conflict that maybe the woman in the past had now. Again, we haven't explored that aspect yet, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely be doing that in the chapters to come, probably chapter five or six. Now, something else that I really wanted to be able to explore in, in Malevolence was a bit more frank nudity. And this comes from also all those movies that either imply it heavily or in the more 70s and uh, 80s cheesy vampire movies, they're just like, whatevs, here's nudity, enjoy it. And this is both a challenge and not. The challenge primarily comes from where you can post the comic at that point. For example, on the coffee site, I can't post all of chapter one because at the end of the chapter... Nina prepares for bed and it is very frank. It's just showing that she just doesn't care. She's completely comfortable with being nude and she's just going to bed. So who cares? And the same thing sort of 
happens in episode two, although there's not nudity, uh, there is uh, Connie getting out of bed and she's just wearing her underwear basically. And, and, and it's trying to show a bit more realism as far as the way that people treat themselves when in Nina's case, she's hundreds of years old and in Connie's case, she's completely alone. So, in doing that, I limited the places I could post it. For example, there are some websites that I would have loved to put the comic up, but due to the fact that they won't allow any nudity, I would have had to heavily censor it. So then I would have had to have two versions of the comic in order to just post it in places, and that kind of sucks. Now, Tapastic has a not-safe-for-work tag, so I was able to put it up there, and that's how I'm getting away with it. As far as the... Um, the physical comics, uh, at first I thought they might not even want to print them, but I did talk to them and they were fine with it. They're really more concerned about printing triple uh, X rated stuff and shipping it around because I guess that that's a little bit more difficult for them as far as licensing and that sort of thing is uh, concerned. Uh, legal issues, I guess. But uh, I wasn't looking for softcore pornography. I was looking for intimacy and frankness. I wanted to show that the characters are very comfortable with something that we should be. Now, what I find very interesting, and this is just going to be a very brief aside, is that on one of the comic sites that I couldn't post uh, breasts, basically, the site allows the most graphic horrific violence i've seen in a long time we're talking evisceration video game levels of people being turned into gibbets totally fine but boobs you're done and i'd also like to point out that it's very interesting they have very strict policies against nudity and yet people still do it all the time i found some very popular comics on that site that had a lot of nudity and they just tagged it not safe for work and apparently the way that that site uh, sort of governs the content is people have to report things that are that are breaking that policy. They don't actively go out and look at it. I guess that makes sense. They've got a lot of uh, product coming in. Probably can't possibly afford to have a staff big enough to keep track of it all. But it is very interesting. A couple of those things have been up for years and nobody's complained. So I guess that it really comes down to hoping that you don't offend the wrong person and then they go through and report half your half your comic. I'm not even going to talk about what site that is. But uh, anyway, so that's that's where I came from as far as why the, some of the visuals are the way they are. That's why there is some very abrupt violence, The why the nudity is a little bit more frank. And it's just because I wanted to convey that same feeling that you get when you watch those older movies, the, the ones that were just starting to get pretty risque. Uh, I, I don't shy away from watching that stuff myself. Uh, I do have a problem with actors being required to simulate sex. Uh, I think that it's just silly for the most part. And it's my own failing that it draws me directly out of the story. And I think of how awkward it must be for the people. I mean, well, we know it is. They, they talk about it all the time. So I didn't want to go there. I just wanted to really imply some of that stuff. So that's where that, that comes from. Ultimately, that's what I'm building. And that's what Malevolence is. It's a gothic romance horror story. Uh, set in the modern day with vampires that struggle with their demons, uh, some human characters being caught up in the crossfire, and generally a, a 
story that it probably feels a little familiar, but it's got enough nuance and change to to set it aside and give it its own space. Uh, once I had that inspiration and started work on it, because honestly, I broke my own rule, I didn't really plan that much. I just immediately dove into some of the visuals I had in my head and created the first few pages of art. And once I had those, they sort of helped me govern exactly where I was going to go. And then I created an outline, a synopsis, and I ran with it. And that's how I created the first three chapters so quickly because it was just perfectly laid out and ready to go. All I had to do was get the art done, text it, and we were golden. Now, of course, the art itself takes a while. As you can see, it is a lot different than my Society Case Files art, which is a little bit more of a quick render, a little bit of post-production, and then mostly dialogue and, and action. In this case, it's a lot of post-production and then a lot more text and more storytelling through text so that you sort of have this piece of art that might be one full page. And there's a lot going on in that page, but at the same time, there's a lot of text to get through as well. I've seen a lot of really cool visual novels do this, and that's where I drew inspiration to try this this form in. And I was doing it with Allison Turner as well. There's fewer panels than that. In fact, there's primarily just two panels in each one. Because the artwork is a little bit more complex, I didn't want to overwhelm the panels. I mean, even old Spider-Man comics when I was growing up, the when there was five, six panels they were a lot simpler all around, and then they would do a more elaborate one-page or elaborate two-panel. And so I just wanted to do a whole comic where everything was a little bit more elaborate. And that lends to the gothic romance of it. It lends to the aesthetic of the gothic horror setting that I wanted to adopt and uh, represent here. So I'm very happy with the results, and I invite you to check it out and see where this story is going to go and... Just you can read it for free at Tapastic, or you can see all three chapters right now for the uh, base price of Patreon. So you can just pay and you'll have access to all three of them, along with a bunch of other comics as well, I might add, because I have some of the Society Case Files uh, stories up there as well. Or you can purchase the digital copy from Indie Planet very soon. And I'll be including the links in the description of this video for all of that stuff and uh, and more. Um, all around, I, I'm really excited about it. So that's why I wanted to do a whole podcast where I just sort of laid out what it was about and why and how, how I came to it. Um, it's, it's definitely a throwback and an homage to all the things I loved. And it really is something that I finally gave into and just decided, you know what, this is what I personally really love and I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to worry about the impression that it's silly. I'm not going to worry about it being a little bit, uh, as some people might say, a bit tired. Um, I am going to bring back horror to it and keep it romantic and really embrace what I've loved most about things like Dark Shadows and why I keep coming back to Dracula movies and Carmilla and all that great stuff. So uh, I invite you to see my passion come to life finally after years of me denying it. It's finally there for all to see. And uh, I want to thank you very much for uh, giving it a shot. And that's it for today. I want to thank you very much for stopping by and listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, 
please visit the website at www.societycasefiles.com. You can also support the project at www.ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Have a great week. Thank you.